Good afternoon. The Board of Trustees regular meeting is called to order at 4.31 p.m. We welcome members of the public. Instructions on making public comment are posted in item one of the agenda, and we will ask at each item for public comment. Catherine, will you please do roll call? Uh, yes. Trustee Baker? Here. Uh, student Trustee Jorge Alejandro Martinez? Here. Trustee Rios? Here. Trustee Olson? Here. Trustee Kishinev? Here. Uh, Trustee DeLuna is running late. Trustee Iverson? And Trustee Dodd? Here. Thank you. We will do the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States. Thank you. We will go to adopting the agenda. Any changes? I am looking around and seeing none uh, and no agenda, uh, objections. And we will adopt by consensus and moved on to public comment for closed session items, devoting up to 15 minutes to hear comments uh, regarding closed session. Uh, comments will be limited to three minutes. Catherine, do we have any public comment? No, we do not. Okay. I haven't received any either. So at this time, the board will move into closed session covering item 4.1, conference with labor negotiators, 4.2, employment of a public employee, a public employee performance evaluation, and return at 5.30 p.m. Okay. The board of trustees will return from closed session at approximately 5.31 p.m. There is nothing to announce from closed session and we'll move to uh, general public comment. Uh, this is an opportunity governed by the Brown Act. By definition, uh, this is an opportunity to hear concerns, perspectives, and differing vantage points. Under the Brown Act, the board is not able to engage in any level of conversation or discussion but we look forward to this opportunity to gather community input. At this time, the board will devote up to 15 minutes uh, to review comment uh, to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject that is not appearing as the agenda item for tonight's meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. Each comment shall last no longer than three minutes. I have not received any public comments. Catherine, have you received any public comments? Uh, no, no public comment. Okay. Then we will move to uh, consent. Are there any changes or questions? Seeing none, um, well, I will ask for any public comment on our consent calendar. I have not received any. No public comment. I see no hands up in the crowd tonight. Um, so I would welcome a motion to approve consent. Move to approve the consent calendar. Okay. Thank you, Trustee Rios, and thank you, Trustee DeLuna, for your second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Um, any opposed? Seeing none, we will uh, adopt consent unanimously. And move to a wonderful presentation that is coming before us to uh, on ACCJC action items and uh, our comprehensive uh, review of those action items. Uh, Dr. Warnell. Wow, that came up quickly. Uh, good evening, board. Uh, since, since your meeting in January, we have received notification regarding the action that the ACCJC took on our comprehensive review. 
And I know uh, Dr. Powell has kept you all apprised of that uh, since your meeting in January. Um, but uh, it is on the agenda tonight to formally acknowledge receipt of the action letter and the peer review team's report, um, to broadly communicate the results, and to outline what it means and expectations for moving forward. Um, so the action letter and the peer review team report were attached to the agenda item. Hopefully you've had time to delve into that. Um, let's see, next slide, please, Catherine. Uh, okay, so um, the accreditation cycle is seven years and the action letter conveys that the ACCJC moved to reaffirm our accreditation for 18 months of that seven year cycle. Uh, we are required to submit a follow-up report by March 1st, 2024, and have a site visit subsequent to that. Uh, as indicated at the bottom of this slide, um, this is taken from the ACCJC's policy on commission actions on institutions. Um, reaffirm accreditation for 18 months with a follow-up report indicates that we did have significant deficiencies, as noted uh, in that paragraph there. there. Um, this is particularly for our new board members. I want to emphasize that we have been here before. Um, so uh, MVC's accreditation history um, has been good. I think that we are one of the few uh, California community colleges that has not been on sanction ever. Um, so I think we, I have no uh, doubt that we will again use this as an opportunity to guide our improvements and ensure continuous improvement. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, so uh, the action letter identifies six requirements um, that we need to address. And I'll say that there are no surprises here, as I, I think Dr. Powell has communicated to the uh, campus community since we received our core inquiries. Um, these six colors requirements do reflect the core inquiries that we received from our team back in March of last year. Um, and they also reflect the uh, findings that we self-identified in our ICER. Um, so the broad areas that are associated, or, or these six college requirements um, cover a few broad areas, including uh, review, planning, and evaluation, and I use that to characterize the first two of those six. Uh, resource allocation to address short and long-term needs, and that I would um, align with uh, requirements three and four. And then finally, governance and roles in decision-making, and that pertains to requirements five and six. Uh, next slide. Uh, so the required components of the follow-up report include that uh, we are to describe what we've done to resolve each of the six issues, um, and that's done through both narrative of the follow-up report and the associated evidence. Uh, we are to demonstrate this, that the standards are met all of the standards that are cited within those uh, college requirements. And finally, we are to describe how the changes are sustainable and what we'll do to ensure that they are sustainable so we continue to meet those standards. And final slide, thank you. Uh, so the general timeline uh, is, is uh, projected here, and this was developed by basically working backwards from the March 1st, 2024 due date. Um, so I'm going to start at the top here. So the first is to maintain momentum and, and the date of December 2021 is because that's when we submitted our ICER uh, for the team and the ACCJC. 
So it's been more than a year now. And so we will maintain the momentum by implementing improvements, compiling new evidence, and drafting the follow-up report uh, between now and I'd say at least through the fall uh, semester. Um, the uh, snapshot date that we've identified is December 15th. And what that represents is the date that all evidence to support the narrative would be submitted to me to uh, draft that, that I can use it to inform the drafting of the uh, follow-up report. Uh, we anticipate that the draft will be completed in January of 2024. So it can then be shared with the campus community before coming to the board for approval um, in February of next year. So that's approximately one year from now. Um, so then we will submit the report by March 1st and then schedule the, we'll uh, work with ACCJC and our team to get the site visit uh, scheduled subsequent to that. Um, there's one item that I didn't put on the timeline, so I want to call your attention to that now. Um, one that's missing is the action by the ACCJC based on our follow-up report, and that will occur in June of 2024. Um, so there will be an opportunity to discuss this in more detail at the retreat, so this is just intended as an overview. And again, I'd encourage you, if you haven't already, to read through the action letter and particularly the paragraphs pertaining to each of the standards cited in the six requirements. In the meantime, uh, we will be giving regular updates to the Accreditation Steering Committee, the Board of Trustees, and the campus community over the next year. So everyone will be informed of what's being done to uh, implement improvements. That's all. Thank you, Dr. Warnall. Any uh, comments or questions? Thank you for everything, Dr. Warno. <clears throat> and we will go to um, an action item 8.2, a resolution declaring termination of a local emergency. Uh, this resolution and uh, a local emergency that we put into place, uh, approximately, I think, three years ago, and, and with it, uh, you know, board policy 2718 a telecommuting uh, will also expire with it. Uh, Catherine, do we have any public comment? No, we do not have public comment. I have not received any either and don't see anybody in the crowd. Any questions? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Trustee Baker's asked whether we should all knock on wood before we do this, um, which is not a bad idea. Um, any other comments or questions? Seeing none, I'd welcome a motion for approval. So moved. Trustee Kishinev. Second. Okay. And thank you, Trustee Delena, for your second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Uh, this resolution is adopted unanimously. For 9.1, actually very good. Um, uh, action item uh, before us uh, this evening, consideration to enter into an employment agreement uh, prior to considering this matter as required under uh, government code section 54953 subsection C3. I will summarize the recommendation regarding the salary and fringe benefits under the proposed contract of educational administrator. The district is entering into an employment agreement with Priscilla Mora as Assistant Superintendent, VP of Academic Affairs, beginning March 13, 2023 through March 12, 2026, March 13, 2023 through December 31, 2023. 
that Ms. Moore will receive a monthly salary at range three, step C on the VP salary schedule, which is $12,967. She will advance on that salary schedule one step each subsequent January under this contract, and salary will be prorated for any partial month of service. The assistant superintendent vice president shall be entitled to receive the same fringe benefits as the administrative confidential employee group. Catherine, do we have any public comment? Uh, no, we do not. Right, let me see here. Oops. Well, I would welcome a motion to so approve moved. this contract. Thank you, Trustee Baker, for your motion. A second. And Trustee Olson for your second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? None. Uh, yes. No, wait, can, we'll, we'll, we'll call it. Uh, the contract has been approved and Trustee Baker has a comment. I just wanted to thank uh, Bob Harris for his assistance in keeping us together in the interim. Yeah, yeah, no, I think. You've been a, a really a common voice coming in an absolutely crazy time. And I think your, your steady hand and, and quiet leadership and good sense of humor. Uh, it, uh, the many uh, some, uh, interesting things that, that comes at us in the district has been just absolutely the perfect, uh, uh, perfect person at the, at the very uh, challenging uh, time. So thank you, was Trustee Baker, eloquently stated. And, um, and and thank you to and, and congratulations to Dr. Moore. We're really excited um, to have to have you here and, and join us and, and use all of your wonderful skills uh, here at, here at Napa Valley College. We're really excited to have uh, uh, you and your family uh, join us here in Napa. So, moving to our next item is a resolution to establish a supplemental employee retirement program. <clears throat> Good evening, Board of Trustees. Tonight, we are bringing a recommendation for approval for Napa Valley College to enter into um, contracts with 17 individuals who have expressed interest in participating in our CERT program. These, this level of participation will help us realize an annual payroll re reduction of approximately a million dollars that's an annual approximation over the next five years. Um, we are looking forward to taking steps to address our organizational structure and staffing as a result of your decision this evening. Thank you. Catherine, do we have any public comment? No, we do not. Okay, I don't see anybody in the crowd raising their hands. Do we have any comments or questions? And then I would welcome a motion to approve this resolution. Move to approve. Thank you, Trustee Rios. Your motion. Second. And a second from Trustee Baker. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? The resolution is adopted. Thank you very much. And we'll go to another action item 9.3 academic personnel status um, document. I don't think we need a report on this one, but pretty self-explanatory. Catherine, do we have any public comment on this? No, we do not. I don't see nobody in the crowd. Uh, I would uh, welcome a motion for approval. 
I'll move. Thank you. I'm sorry. Who was that? Me. Thank you, Trustee Kitchener. I'll second that. Thank you, Trustee Olena. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Uh, the document is approved unanimously. And we will go to Project Management Services Contract Award, uh, item 12.1, which is an action item. Thank you, Trustee Dodd. Uh, this is um, a recommendation for an award for uh, project project management services for the student housing initiative, uh, River Trail Villages here on campus, which is underway now. Um, this service, uh, in contrast to a construction manager, the project manager is a liaison between the institution the contractor and what we call the operator, the folks who will actually staff and operate the uh, the residential experience at River Trail Village. We went through a an RF, we submitted an RFP or 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 uh, sent out an RFP to the six firms that you approved on the listing last fall. We received three proposals. Uh, uh, three of the proposals, uh, uh, all three uh, were were uh, good. Um, and uh, we made a selection uh, to the Vols company for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, they were the best value. Uh, and number two, they have a unique uh, um, uh, ability to address not only the liaison needs, but how an institution readies itself to be a 24-hour campus. They are doing this work currently at Santa Rosa, scheduled to open in the fall, excuse me, the summer of 23. They also did this work at... Uh, uh, OCC, Orange Coast College. They've been open for a few years. They also consult, uh, their firm consults with about 40 community colleges throughout the state considering um, student housing on community college campuses. So my recommendation, uh, staff recommendation, is to engage the Bulls company. Uh, are the numbers there, Catherine? Yeah. They're, they're, I know in the attached, I don't think they're on the cover page. Those yes. Numbers are missing. At a cost of $12,300 per month for a total cost of uh, not to exceed 283000 I will add that this is not a cost incurred by the college, but is budgeted in the development agreement uh, for the building. So uh, while we may pay a check each month, it will be charged to the building and will be reimbursed by the project fund. But it's a necessary component to take a bit of a load off our current college staff and uh, have the assistance of someone who's very well-versed in this area of uh, 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 bringing college uh, housing onto a community college campus. Any questions? Um, Trustee Baker. Yeah, I'm just curious if um, this group or someone from the group will be participating in the steering committee. Yes, we have. We have just last month uh, impaneled our implementation team, and um, the the award has a seat to the at that table. And Frank will be a big player at that table, if not leading those meetings. One of our uh, requirements is that they also make periodic reports to the Board of Trustees on on uh, progress against not only the building, but about uh, readying the campus for 24-hour uh, occupancy by students. Thank you, Trustee Baker. Good question. Uh, many other questions? 
Okay. Uh, Catherine, do we have any public comment? Uh, no, we do not. Okay, I have not received any public comment either. Uh, then I would welcome a motion to approve awarding the contract to uh, a Volt Group. I'll move to approve. Second. Thank you, Trustee Olson, for your motion and Trustee Baker for uh, your second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? No. Uh, it is approved unanimously. Thank you. And moving quickly on to item 12.2, a general fund update. Yes, thank you. Uh, this is our regular report of the general fund. Uh, we are at, that picture is hiding the percentage. We are at seven twelfths of our budget, 58%. Thank you, Trustee Olson. Would you like to give the report? Sure. All right. so, so when you look at the right side column, 58% is kind of, is the benchmark number you want to compare to. And that will give you an idea of kind of where we stand relative to uh, what we what your approved budget is. I will start with the revenues. Uh, at our last our previous um, meetings, we had some concerns about how quickly property tax revenues were hitting our ledger, and they have hit uh, at, the, at the place where we were last year. So last year, we were at 60% of our revenues received. This year, we are at 60% of our revenues received. A reminder, this is Fund 11. Fund 11 is our unrestricted general fund. We have other funds coming into the college and Fund 12 for categorical for um, our student housing program, et cetera. Those aren't reflected here. This is just our unrestricted fund. So moving down that right column again, you'll see that uh, we are generally on track. And I, for salaries, I would, I would like to respond to Trustee Baker's question of last week about why we're running a bit of a variance in our classified, in our uh, temporary classified area. A couple of things are occurring there. Number one, we had some, a little bit of vacation payout above last year. Number two, we have some overtime reflected there for a couple of areas. Custodial and police, those are largely tied to outside groups that are offset by some revenues. So those outside groups... Uh, require custodial support or police support. They're also paying for it. So you'll see, you're seeing a little bit of overtime there. So we're running a little bit of last year. I'm not terribly concerned because the offset in revenue is there. I would also add, add that we're running a little lower in our, our classified permanent. And so a little lower than budgeted. So again, I, I don't have tremendous concerns about that. Our total salaries are running at 53% against 58% of our budget and at 59% last year. So those big numbers, 85% of our budget and our salary and benefits are running below below last year. And so we're trending in, in the right direction. Down to total employee benefits, we're at about 53% as opposed to 61% last year. Our total books and supplies, a smaller number, we're running at 35% of last year when we were at 59%. That's a smaller uh, dollar number, but uh, uh, trending trending a little less than last year. I'm not quite sure why. Perhaps we're not buying uh, quite the uh, office products that we once did. But in any event, um, that's probably something to look at. We need to make sure that our classrooms are well-stocked and uh, faculty and staff have the materials they need. Scrolling down, 
we have uh, uh, our total operating supplies. That next subtotal is running at 54% against 66% last year. And I would just call your attention to the capital outlay number. We're a little better than last uh, month's report. We're at about 111% over. Uh, we've, done, we've done some reclassing there. So we're not quite to where exactly where we were last year. We're at 93% as, as compared to 86% of our budget last year. I would finally call your attention to uh, the bottom of column eight, the blue, where it says a million seven six eight five five two. We are in, we are a million seven better than we were last year. So while this is a budget and things happen in budgets, um, we are trending in a very positive direction. We are we are looking at an increase of um, an increase to ten point three percent of our reserves. If we maintain this, it'll jump up dramatically to 10.3%. But I do not want to make a guarantee. This is a trend, and we're still a bit early in our budget process, but uh, the trends look really positive. I'm certainly entertaining any questions. Any questions, Trustee Baker? I just wanted to ask about the capital outlay again. Um, is I'm assuming that that's, it's not like a monthly expense. It's just like those are project-based, correct? That's exactly right. So there's timing there. Mm -hmm. So we could either be done, potentially, or no. I think if you could you put the get budget together for us next year, I think you've got all the answers. That's exactly right. <laughs> Unlike salaries where you have a payment every month, that's generally predictable. Uh, those kinds of expenses happen uh, episodically. So they could all happen in the first month and, and your budget looks like it's way out of whack, but um, that, that's really related to the timing of the expense. Any other questions? Okay. I don't see any. Catherine, do we have any public comment on this item? And no, we do not. Thank you. Okay. Well, then we will uh, move quickly to 12.3, a state budget update. Thank you, Trustee Don. Um, Catherine, could you open that PowerPoint? <clears throat> I, I want to give you just a brief overview of the governor's January budget. Um, I, let me preface, preface this by saying it has some impacts on the institution's finances, finances, finances. Thank you. Uh, however, recall that we are a community-based budget largely funded by, by um, uh, local property taxes. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I think a few areas are worth uh, a look at. The governor uh, presents his budget for the following year, always in January. Between January and May, there's lots of jockeying going on relative to uh, uh, resetting priorities and negotiations with le legislators and lobbying on uh, on behalf of folks like the league and uh, and those uh, supportive of uh, public higher education. Then in, uh, there's uh, what's called a May revise, which the governor comes back and says, here's what we think after uh, January. And, and then a final signed budget by July 15th often uh, followed by trailer bills, which modify what they signed uh, in July, in June, excuse me. Let's uh, scroll up, scroll down, um, Catherine. The, the budget proposal for the California Community College is shaped by a multi-year roadmap to California's future. We'll provide you some, some detail about that. 
uh, if you wish. In fact, we'll get it posted to the website. And it builds on existing efforts toward achieving a vision for success uh, articulated by the former um, chancellor while establishing some additional expectations for the system over the next several years. So the funding is tied to a vision of the roadmap for California's future and a vision for success. The vision for success is, is tied to student achievement, uh, addressing the needs of the underrepresented and, and providing uh, support for access and, and success among students in the state. Next slide, please. The key goals and expectations in the roadmap increase collaboration across segments and sectors to enhance timely transfer, improve time to degree certificate, uh, degree and certificate completion, closure of equity gaps, and better alignment of the systems with K-12 and workforce needs. Next slide, please. The key elements of the governor's budget, at least in January, are an overall budget lower by about 3%. And uh, you've probably seen and read about uh, the projections. There's a, an anticipated decrease in, in uh, property taxes and corporate income taxes uh, of about 3%. <laughs> this pro proposed new ongoing spending in 23-24 uh, is primarily related to COLA. Uh, we had uh, a question earlier today about COLA. Um, uh, we have some programs that get increased by COLA. They're primarily categorical programs. Uh, um, and so much of the budget increase for community colleges is simply related to COLA for next year. One-time funding of $200 million dedicated to student retention and enrollment. So the state is still seeing a decrease in enrollment and wants to provide financial support and stimulus to, to outreach efforts and engagement efforts of students uh, to increase enrollments. Retention and enrollment allocation funded with a redirection of 22-23 deferred maintenance funds. Let me spend one moment on this. This year, we received $6.2 million in scheduled maintenance funds. A big win for all community colleges and certainly for us. The recent trailer bill wants to redirect about one-third of that allocation to next year's retention and enrollment funds. So we need to prepare, be prepared to adjust our, our priorities in that scheduled maintenance funding we received this year uh, to be reallocated next year. So good news for uh, outreach and retention, not so good news for scheduled maintenance on campus. Next slide, please. I know you can't read this. I don't expect you to. Um, this is posted on the website. And it gives you some detail about specific programs and initiatives and how they will be funded uh, in, in the next year's budget. Uh, you'll see that on the right column where the, in, where the changes occur, they're primarily related to COLA, cost of living allowance, uh, and they're, they're exclusively for us in, in some categorical programs. By the way, we put this link on our website. Uh, so uh, if, you, if you would... Uh, you have a few minutes. You want to take a look at that? Uh, I would. I would encourage you to do so. Next slide, please. This is a so slightly different look. At, these are policy adjustments and policy adjustments and how they're being funded. <clears throat> in the right column, you'll see what the changes are. What the uh, in dollars are anticipated to be very similar to the previous schedule. Most of them related to 
to COLA, you'll see some increase in enrollment and engagement funding uh, for next year as well. Next slide. Here are planning factors across the state for next year. Cost of living adjustment, 8.13%. Uh, a nice number if you're getting it, but uh, we're not getting it. Uh, for, this, for the most part. Our state fi lottery funding um, is expected to remain about level, but that's uh, to be determined. Our, our block grant funding looks like it's going to be about the same. Our, our RSI reimbursement, uh, these are for, um, these are for RSI. Um, Supplemental. Apprenticeship. Apprenticeship. Thank you. Uh, is about the same. Financial Aid Administration for College Promise Grant is about the same. And they're, they're remain, they, they remain essentially the same as last year's uh, budget, reflecting uh, uh, a stagnant revenue state uh, in, in the state of California. Next slide, please. In response to the disruptions of COVID-19, the hold harmless provision of the state uh, student-centered funding formula is extended through 24-25. This doesn't apply to us until we get to the point, if we ever do, that we become uh, an apportioned-based uh, institution. We have a little ways to go to get there, so I wouldn't put that on um, high on your panic list. Uh, starting in 25-26, a district of 24 25 funding will represent us in floor uh, and shift funding, student-centered funding uh, uh, rates would increase to reflect COLA, but the shift hold harmless provisions would no longer include total computational revenue. These are some technical changes in uh, apportion-based funding. We do uh, receive some apportion funding um, um, at uh, in the unrestricted general fund, but they're fairly small amounts, total maybe two, $2 million. Next slide, please. These are just dates, just reminders about uh, statutory um, deadlines for budget development. I think certainly over the last year or so, we've been um, we've been talking about these to a great extent with the board. So, uh, and you'll continue uh, you'll continue to see those. We did uh, submit our schedule, uh, our budget development schedule to the board last fall, and I think it's the last slide, isn't it? Catherine? No. No. So our next steps, we need to review the Napa County outlook for property tax revenues and for 23-24 and adjust projections as necessary. We'll talk a little more about projections in a couple of days. We'll assess the impact of the governor's January budget with district revenues and expenditures uh, for 23-24, repeat such projections in May. <laughs> and follow the college's budget process and steps as outlined in the college's 23-24 planning and budget development timeline. So these are next steps relative to the data that we're receiving in terms of analyzing what our, our uh, budget will look like going forward. Next slide. Any questions? I have one question about that money that the state is proposing to take back what if we would have spent it they haven't given it all to us yet oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a portion on a on a monthly basis we've only received we received about half of it but there's a little bit of a dilemma with with the chancellor's office that they they have to make these decisions by june when they would have delivered it all 
So we, they're careful about that. They won't give it to us until uh, that trailer bill is addressed. But we have about half of it in hand right now. Um, I'm trying to reconcile what I heard about the early retirement program. And it seems like your report on Fund 11 said we're doing pretty well. But the governor's budget is going to be reduced by 3%. I'm trying to figure out how that's going to affect us. It sounded like scheduled maintenance is going to take a hit. I'm not sure what that means. Are, are we... Should we be more concerned? I, I, you know, talking to the finance guy, I'm always concerned. Yeah. I, I would, I would um, give you some, uh, provide you some relief in that the funding from the state from next for next year's budget for Napa Valley College is a fairly small number, uh, and will not significantly impact us because we're we're funded primarily from local property taxes, and those tend to be more stable. Uh, a stable source of income than, frankly, even the apportioned uh, apportioned districts. Scheduled scheduled maintenance are funds that the state provides institutions across the state to address their facilities issues and some instructional equipment issues that they otherwise couldn't fund in their budget. Those funds are not reflected in the unrestricted general fund. So the report I just gave you doesn't have those don't have those numbers because it's a restricted fund can only be used for those purposes. So we're not going to be falling short on that on on scheduled maintenance. Correct. We're always falling short. Oh. Our scheduled maintenance backlog is is way over six million dollars. That's for, a, for most institutions. That's the case. But for an institution of this age. Uh, I won't even venture a guess what our, our scheduled maintenance backlog is. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Uh, Mr. Reese, in kind of with uh, Rafael's or Trustee Rios's question, have we received for the student housing grant, have we received all of those monies? Uh, have they come to, or those have they come in, in, in a phased? Trustee Dodd, same response. About half of it we've received. Okay. And we'll be sending some of that over to the project fund um, pretty soon. The one we created, yeah. So that okay. that's a that's a promise to them. Okay. <clears throat> thank you. Um, thank you very much for the update. We will go to uh, information item uh, board policies. This is the first reading of BP thirty four thirty three and sixty three hundred, uh, which we will adopt next month. Any uh, comments? Catherine, do we have any public comment on, on this item? No, we don't. Okay. Uh, then uh, we will move on to our reports. Uh, do we have Ms. Sharma uh, here on behalf of uh, ASMBC? No, I don't see her. Okay. And I'll move down the list uh, to Ms. Alexander. Classified Senate. I see you shaking your head. Is uh, Dixie available? It's Larson. Hi. It's, Dixie, can you, hear me? can you hear you? Oh, yeah. I just want to uh, say um, I'm driving, so I'm going to make this quick um, that I have nothing to report, but I am in the audience listening to everything. So, that's all I have. Thank you much uh, for, for participating. Appreciate that. Uh -huh. You're welcome. Drive safe. Yeah. Uh, we will move on to the Administrative Confidential uh, Senate Report, uh, Mr. Vanderbilt. 
Thank you, President Dodd, uh, members of the board. Um, I, I know that uh, Danielle Alexander wanted to be here tonight, but had a personal conflict. Um, I had a sneak preview of her report, and it's a good one. Uh, expect it next month. Uh, this month's report, I wrote myself without the aid of artificial intelligence. <laughs> this past month, we I promise. This past month, we participated in Council of Presidents' discussions to adopt several new and revised administrative procedures and put on your agenda new board policies, which you just saw a moment ago. The Administrative Senate is also an integral part in participating in the multi-constituency assessment and possible streamlining of AP 2410, which is our local equivalent of the Federal Administrative Procedures Act that establishes how new and revised policies and procedures are promulgated. In keeping with my introduction of hot topics last month by speaking about artificial intelligence, tonight I'd also like to briefly touch on another important question that is keeping academics, administrators, and faculty awake at night. What the heck is happening in Florida? You, you may know that I came here from being an administrator at Palm Beach State College, and I like to say that while it's difficult to upgrade from Palm Beach, I was successful in doing so. You may have seen recent news media coverage about Governor DeSantis's education proposals that include things like eliminate state funding for diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, prohibit DEI statements and hiring, ban AP African-American studies, bypass faculty search committees and allow presidents and boards to directly hire faculty without faculty expertise. Reshape New College of Florida, the state's publicly funded liberal arts college, um, and the first official act of the new board appointed by Governor DeSantis was to fire the president, sorry, Dr. Powell, um, in an effort to morph the college into a more conservative-leaning institution. But why talk about Florida and California, when, which seems so very far away, both geographically and politically? Well, many higher education policies have been piloted in Florida. Florida community colleges were given authority for workforce baccalaureate degrees in 2001. Florida Community Colleges um, had uh, um, AB 705 in its genesis there as Senate Bill 1720, which defunded most math and English remedial courses 10 years ago. Florida Community Colleges started piloting guided pathways called meta majors 11 years ago. Dual enrollment is big, as I can attest, having walked across the stage with my daughter to claim her associate's degree eight days before she got her high school diploma. Common course numbering, which is just in the planning stages here, has been in the law in Florida for many years, along with a legal requirement that community college credits must be accepted at four-year transfer institutions. But these latest efforts seem designed to attack academic freedom and undermine anti-racism work. These folks could be put in charge of national education policy. It's not too difficult to imagine a U.S. Department of Education policy on critical race theory that says you can teach it, but not if your institution processes federal financial aid money or the possible federal defunding of support for diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Trustees, administrators, faculty, and staff all need to keep a cautious eye on this as DEI work is vitally important for the populations that we serve. When faculty and administrators speak regarding concerns about eroding academic freedom, Florida looms large. Uh, finally, uh, one item on tonight's agenda that has special significance for me is your approval a little bit ago of the CERT. 
I had planned to retire at the end of my current two-year contract, but after a lot of consideration, decided that I will be leaving after the end of this fiscal year. Travel, rest, and other projects bad. There's never a best time for a departure, but this is a good moment for me personally and professionally, and I hope for the college as well, with the transition this year to a new president and within the next few weeks, a transition to a new vice president for academic affairs. I'll do my best to make a smooth handover of my responsibilities. We will remain in Napa, where I've become very involved in the community and civic life, and I hope to continue to be engaged with the college. I intend to continue to donate to support our foundation activities and to support our students. I hope to take a class in fall as a student and perhaps teach in spring 24 or beyond. I'll also remain engaged in the work as senior dean and as acting president of the Academic Senate through this end of this semester. It has been an honor to serve this community and to assist in the work that we do here to change lives for the better. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bob. Um, I understand that Dr. Tejada is not here, so we will move on to uh, Ms. Iwamoto on behalf of the Faculty Association. Thank you very much. Good evening, trustees. Um, I wanted to apologize because I was not able to be here at the last Board of Trustees meeting, and, and I've not yet had a chance to officially welcome the two new trustees who have come on board, so I wanted to welcome you both tonight. Um, I am also not here uh, by uh, the benefit of artificial intelligence, and some may debate any intelligence at all, but we will go ahead and go forward. Um, I did want to thank uh, my my uh, dean and my colleague here, uh, Bob Vandervelt, for what he said about uh, DEI and academic freedom. I did want to uh, uh, point out that uh, I've done a few um, presentations statewide about the sort of boogeyman of critical race theory and how it's being used similar to the attacks on ethnic studies a few years ago in states like Arizona. And I feel privileged to live in a state like California that supports its, uh, its faculty, supports academic freedom, and um, that, but that is fragile. And so you just uh, wanna make sure that we never take that for granted. I wanted to welcome Dr. Mora and uh, congratulate her. I'm very much looking forward to working with her closely as faculty association president. And I also wanted to thank Bob Harris for stepping in at a difficult time, at a transition time, and really doing a great job of bridging that gap. Uh, he he really um, is a champion for faculty, staff, and a great asset to this college. I just recently came from the CCA Winter Conference. That's our CTA Union Conference, where I got a lot of great information about things, um, including part-time healthcare. So um, I know we just went over the uh, the state budget. Uh, there has been a great amount of ongoing money allotted to healthcare for our part-time faculty, and I look forward to taking that information to negotiations. I know my my district negotiator counterparts are in the room here, and we're really hoping to do great things for our part-time faculty, who as of yet have had absolutely no healthcare options, and I'm re really hoping to bring that to them. Uh, speaking of negotiations, we have not met yet this semester. We're trying our hardest. We um, we are um, uh, looking for a time to meet uh, 
I think we are going to be meeting next week finally. And so I'm really looking forward to working together to improve the lives of faculty and students here at Napa Valley College. And my dog Maurice says hi. He's been sitting here this whole time. And uh, that's all. That is the end of my report. Thanks, everyone. Thank you very much, Christy. We will move to uh, President's report, President and Cabinet reports. Dr. Powell. Good evening, board, colleagues. I uh, just want to start this evening by um, giving an update on our spring enrollments as the census date of February 6 has passed. And so this is the date that is used to count the enrollment of the college for this semester. And while there may be some ebbs and flows and late ads and starts, drops by students, this number will serve as a basis for the enrollment figures for the colleges related to the semester. So I say presented on here, I'm gonna provide this to um, Catherine to post because it wasn't quite ready, but I will give you some numbers here. So uh, enrolled, enrolled credit students receipts in the spring semester is 10,302. Compare that to last spring of 10,195. That's a, a, an increase of 1.05%. Um, it's an increase. So, um, so that's it's outstanding. Non-credit, uh, this semester is 438 right now. Uh, spring last year was 444. Those six students make a difference of 1.35%. But I will say that non-credit mostly is a lot of open entry, open exit. So people come in and as ESL classes are offered more here. So that'll fluctuate a bit. Total seats filled is 10,721 compared to 10,546 last spring. That's a difference of 1.66 in, in, in the right direction. And the unduplicated headcount means unique students this semester is 4,390. And last spring was 4,377. That's a very modest 0.3%. But I would like to add in that um, we also are offering approximately 5 to 7% less sections this semester. So we have pared down the offerings and we continue to look for the sweet spot. Um, we will continue the process with asynchronous you know, online hybrid, um, I gotta use the right term. It's not high, it's not high flex anymore. It's high learning anyway. Kathy Gillis, our DE uh, director and coordinator will make sure if she heard that she'll correct me. Um, but anyway, so we are trending, it's slow, it's a process, but um, the increase in enrollment is very modest, but it does represent an increase. And while Cubis continues to work through the after effects of the cyber attack, and the transformation of our technological infrastructure. There have been some outstanding successes in the classrooms, the support provided to our students by the faculty, staff, and classified professionals. Our strength continues to be our faculty in the classroom instruction, counseling in the library, as well as the outstanding services provided by the professionals and student services and all areas of campus to provide the valuable and much needed resources to, our, to support our students. <coughs> Excuse me. This afternoon, when we convened our first meeting in the McPherson Awards Committee, um, and uh, today with the target of having a mid to late April celebration uh, for the recipients. Uh, trustee Olson is uh, the board representative on that committee. Uh, former trustee Michael Baldini. Michael, if you're out there, you're everywhere. He's, he's ubiquitous. <laughs> but he's representing the foundation. Uh, Dr. T. Madison, um, who is a former, who's a, a former recipient and uh, a student who participated. I started this process, and you know, with um, Dr. Moore coming on, we made transition. But I uh, wanted to, it was important to get that process going. 
And finally, as this is my final board of trustees meeting in this current role, I would like to thank the college and college community for the opportunity to serve as the acting vice president of academic affairs for the last seven months. I'm honored to have had the privilege to serve in this capacity, and I'm looking forward to working with Dr. Moore to continue the work of shaping the campus, its offerings, and its services as we move into the next academic year and beyond. My experiences over the last seven months have provided me with a deeper understanding and different perspective of many areas of the campus and the campus community, and understanding a perspective that will shape and guide my future work. Thank you. Good evening, Board of Trustees and community, and just want to take a quick second to honor my, my dear colleague, um, Acting VP Harris. Uh, I know we'll continue to build together in many, many capacities, so I got you. Um, and um, I appreciate everything we've we've done. So I um, want to just start off by by first off honoring that we are in Black History Month. So I want to appreciate um, the contributions of our African-American community members, our students, um, our staff, our, our faculty, administrators around the really important work that, that they've done and, and the impacts they've made at Napa Valley College. So thank you. And at the same time, recognizing that there's a lot of work we still need to do to really make sure that we celebrate and honor um, all of our communities, but in particular, our, our Black community, African-American um, community. So with that said, let me put on the glasses. Um, I want to start off by recognizing that <clears throat> the Emoja community celebrate, celebrated the Black History Month. Um, this this is celebrating Black History Month, and um, they've been pretty busy in conjunction with campus community. Our uh, Emoja learning community is holding several events to highlight the efforts of African-Americans, both past and present. On February 1st, our own faculty member, Jan Stickman, opened the month with an intention focusing on the theme of resistance. This is in concert throughout the state. Uh, Emoja has engaged in other activities, including a variety of board games, a group project assembling a Maya Angelou puzzle, a game of Black Jeopardy where prizes um, were given to whomever had the most correct answers. Emoja held uh, an open house, which I'm going to show a couple pictures here in a second, with students um, from the Puente Project, as well as faculty, administrators, staff, and other students in our very own Board of Trustee President um, Jeff Dodd uh, was, was present for this. Thank you for being there. Uh, food was provided, uh, lots of dialogue around where African-Americans see themselves today and asking important questions as have things really changed and are they changing? Dr. Tia Madison, Professor of Communication Studies, Communication Studies Coordinator and Emoja Mentor Me Coordinator, performed three shows in the Performing Arts Center <clears throat> called Brand New Shoes. The Emoja program wants to thank all who came out part of these festivities. Black History Month is not over. There are still events happening. So actually, Catherine, if you could click on the, the images and the flyers. I just wanted to show to the board and to the community some of the activities. Hopefully that pops up. Okay. So just, uh, just one of the flyers from the Black History Month, um, the Emoja Open House, if you can scroll down. And some pictures there, some of the activities. You can see there an activity with the Puente students um, and the Emoja students coming together during the open house. And there's a couple of students there, the professor, um, a great picture right there. That might be a more. Yes. And uh, here's a, I wanted to just lift this up here around the work Professor Tina Madison has been doing her uh, presentation she did around brand new shoes. So I want to honor them um, and their, their really important work. So we move on to the next. Okay. Um, 
moving on to to speak now about a really really important activity that that's happened here on campus, um, in particular to our dreamers, um, and really celebrating what is now a dream center here on campus um, in Room Eight Forty One is the opening of the Puente slash uh, Dream Center. It's a historical moment for Napa Valley College. Um, so Dreamers really is, is a space for, for students who are undocumented to come and receive support and services um, and really be embraced um, by a location that will, will help them navigate uh, Napa Valley College. So um, the Puente Dream Center space intentionally shared with the Puente Project and all staff in, in, a, in the space are ready to serve both Puente and Dreamers alike. We have soft opening on, of the space with students on February 7th, Dreamers, so they can become familiar with the space and its services. We had an <laughs> opening for staff on February 15th, just yesterday. Staff can get a feel for a space, know where uh, to walk Dreamers and potential Puente students um, um, as well. So, Puente Dream Center is a safe space where Dreamers and Puente students can go to receive uh, services and be referred to resources specifically for them, as well as space to gather, <clears throat> to organize, to study, to eat, to socialize. Um, the hours of the space are Monday through Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 to 5 p.m. Thank you, Associate Dean Luis Alcazar, as a student specialist, Yverto Ramirez, for your work uh, to get that space ready. And there's a picture of the flyer. Um, very powerful activity that they had yesterday and uh, opportunity for, for staff to come um, and build community and just really see the space, experience the space. Um, you know, I was sharing with Dr. Powell that I actually kind of I like hanging out there. Love, love, it's got a really good vibe. So if you can come, you can go by and check it out. Um, and I uh, want to move on now to the Welcome Center. Uh, the Welcome Center, I'm just going to uh, put some numbers up for you to take a look to see the impact the Welcome Center has had um, on our campus, they've this since the beginning of the semester they've impacted 2,188 students, and you can see how. So now I'm talking about with two staff and uh, student workers. So they've been working uh, really hard to to respond to voicemails, to emails, um, on the application process, uh, the in-person inquiries, and then to the phone calls. So um, welcome centers are really really key and important space for our campus. It is often the first connection for many of our community members. So um, the work they've been doing is to be really applauded. And specifically, I want to uh, thank uh, Brenda Rodriguez and Jen, Jen Duarte and team um, for the important work they've done to serve our students. And we'll move on to the very last uh, piece here. Um, and this is a meet and greet. So you are all welcome. So Board of Trustees and community, you are welcome to a meet and greet with uh, Open House with Napa Valley College Counselors. This is happening in the counseling hallway. Um, in room 1339 or uh, hallway 1339 on uh, February 21st from 10 to 12 and uh, the 22nd from 1 to 3. Goal of this event is to build community and create connections with our students and our campus. So it's been an excellent opportunity to learn about counseling services at the Valley College and make a counseling appointment. So that is the goal. Get students to the space, welcome them, connect with them, um, give them some food. So we will have some, some goodies there as well as with, uh, with our staff. So looking forward to that event. And actually I do have, I always bring some, some handouts for you. I have, I have some handouts for you around that activity. So hopefully you can, you can join us. And that concludes my report. Thank you, Dr. Guerrero. Um,
I, just briefly, I'll cover a few uh, a few points. But in the meantime, Catherine, can you pull up the link to the housing um, camera at the bottom of that report? And while you're going there, let me just give you a few highlights in the report. Um, we touched on the 22-23 budget. I did want to share with you that we we do have some unanticipated costs that uh, I've recommended to Dr. Powell that we, we submit as a budget adjustment to the board as early as March. We don't anticipate these to make a significant change in our, in our budget performance, but believe it might be uh, more transparent. It, it would be more transparent just to uh, share them with you as a budget adjustment. So you can look forward to that in the, uh, in the coming months. Institutional technology, we continue to look at some managed services opportunities and and I'll be meeting with uh, uh, one of those uh, one of those firms uh, next Friday, I believe. Uh, Dr. Powell has insisted that uh, if he's available, he join me uh, to move this along. Uh, but we are looking at a solution that uh, number one pri uh, provides a, a continuity for our IT systems, uh, improves our security, and provides a, a, a robust management approach to IT services on campus. So you should look forward to hearing more about that. We're, we've recently released an RFP, a request for proposal for bookstore services. The Barnes & Noble contract will conclude um, in June or July, if I'm not mistaken. So we will have a recommendation about a new service provider uh, or a service provider at uh, as early as the March meeting. Uh, student housing update. <laughs> there it is. It's a little dark out there now, but I, I think uh, uh, Trustee Iverson can probably give a pretty good report. He keeps a close eye on what we're doing over there. <laughs> there are walls going up, and uh, and they're they're making uh, some good progress there. Uh, I will share with you that the developer filed a, a force majeure. Um, uh, or uh, effectively an act of God disclosure because of the rain event that caused a delay in uh, a 15 day delay in the schedule. I'm not quite sure if that puts us 15 days behind, but we'll have a what we call a workout meeting in the very near future to determine to solve for where we are today and our need to open on time. So uh, we'll provide that report to you in the near term. Um, I did want to, on a facilities uh, level, uh, I would share with you that um, that the swimming pool is about to reopen uh, and it looks good, certainly uh, much better than it did uh, three or four months ago. And uh, the future of the pool we're looking at in terms of how we can, how we can better serve the larger community with that, with that facility. So uh, those discussions are continuing and we'll have more information about that uh, moving forward. Well, that would conclude my report. I would just like to welcome Dr. Mora to Napa Valley College. We're looking forward to working with you. And I wanna take this opportunity to really thank a colleague and now friend um, for your time in this role. You've made in many ways my job a lot easier. So thank you. Thank you very much for everything that you've done in the past several months. Thank you. Thank you, Cabinet. Um, I just have a few few updates. First off, I would like to join the uh, the thank yous with you know to my uh, colleague. Uh, now I would consider dear friend as well, 
uh, Mr. Harris, Bob Harris, thank you so much for your leadership, for um, your commitment, dedication to the institution to step up, not just to step into the acting VP role, but also to do that while maintaining your role as senior dean. Um, some people don't recognize or, or really acknowledge that, that, you know, this was in addition to your regular day-to-day responsibilities um, at a time at the college where we were experiencing significant change and uh, a lot of work that we needed to do in some very sensitive areas. Um, I am very appreciative for your leadership, for your willingness and commitment to step up. And uh, I owe you at least a lunch <laughs> and a lot more. Um, so more to come there. Uh, I would also like to extend thank you or, or rather welcome to Dr. Mora. Um, and thank you for, you know, your willingness to step into this leadership role and position at Napa Valley College at this time. Really uh, looking forward to working with you in the coming months and years and, uh, you know, helping to make your time at Napa productive uh, and, and, and just a wonderful experience for all. Uh, just a couple of things that, that I've been doing I'd like to update everyone on. Uh, I did have the chance to uh, speak at the uh, Napa's Black History Month uh, event on Saturday. Um, thank you, uh, Trustee Olson, for the invitation. That was a very fun event. It was incredibly well attended. Uh, you know, the pastor actually came in and, and uh, politely encouraged everyone to migrate to the overflow room because uh, there were so many chairs that we were concerned it might have been a, a fire code violation. Uh, but it was a great event, very well attended, and I very much appreciated the chance to, to meet some folks from the community and to share some uh, powerful words. That actually resonated a lot with what uh, Bob, Bob V, uh, what you shared with respect to, you know, some concerns around the direction um, of academic freedom, which were a theme that was, uh, I think, prevalent in, in the of the speech that I shared. Last thing, I just want to give an update on uh, the AP 2410 work group. You'll recall this is the work group that we convened uh, to really redesign our process to approve our board policies and administrative procedures. We made tremendous progress in our first session. Uh, we met here about three weeks ago and got through uh, pretty much about 60-70% of the revised process. And now we're at the point where we're uh, just performing some cleanup and you know, really kind of tightening up uh, just areas that we think need more clarification around how we improve uh, our, our policies and procedures and would really like to extend my sincerest thanks to the members of that work group. We have representatives from all four constituent groups, our, our students, our faculty, our classified, and our administrative senates. And so they've done tremendous work in a very short period of time. And I think this models the, uh, the type of collaboration and the spirit of uh, collegiality and creativity that uh, really is becoming to typify what we do here at Napa Valley College. So thank you all for your, your work there. And uh, that concludes our report. Thank you, Dr. Powell. Uh, we'll go to standing committee and other appointment reports. Uh, anything from uh, DOS Foundation, Trustee Delina? I think so. Um, Viticulture and Winery Foundation. Yes, we um, met yesterday. And a lot of things going on there. Um, including, I think, the um, trying to finish up the plans for the uh, new facility. Um, they're working on uh, plans, marketing plans for the wine and um, new release of the wine for the wine club is, is coming up, I guess, this month. New to the members of the wine club that's going out. They will be they're putting back together the um, Mayfair, the... Um, kind of a release party for 
members of the, the, the community, the uh, club members at the winery. Uh, I attended a couple of those a few years ago when they were being done, but they're bringing that back. Uh, a lot going on with the vineyard being pulled out and, and trying to source some grapes uh, for this uh, this vintage. Um, so there's been a whole redesign and kind of rebranding with uh, changing the label, which, you know, I thought being on this, this board, there would be samples brought to every meeting, but I was wrong. I mean, it would have been great to share the new label with you, but it looks really good. Um, you know, the, uh, the red wines have a, a black label with gold, you know, kind of embossed uh, uh, line of the, the winery. Uh, so it looks a lot more modern and just much better than, than the previous label. Um, there was um, uh, there were some comments about something that was uh, somewhat concerning. Uh, I think it was Paul Wagner, um, who's on the board, who was explaining how um, there is kind of a, I call it a weak spot or something in, in the program, but we have three three degrees. Our certificates in the, in the program, the viticulture, um, enology, and marketing. Um, but well, he was explaining that in the marketing program, it's very difficult for the students to actually complete that because and, um, it was a lack of, of um, instruction or courses to, to be for the students to be able to complete that in a timely manner. Um, so I thought that was a bit concerning and maybe something we can look at to see what's, what the issue is and, and how it can be corrected. Obviously, if we're going to have a, a certificate program, we want the students to be able to do it and do it on time, um, so that they can move on. Um, and just like they're, we're doing with every other area, um, and all other degrees so that the time to completion is, is in line with, with the standards that set. So um, that, if, if I was a little surprised, I thought Kyle and Michael, when he was here, gave me a, a hard time saying he was the only board member who's not a member of the club. And I had mentioned that. Um, I think it's Phil, who's the operations. Yeah. Uh, winery operations. He said, well, we don't really have a club. I said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean? I got a hard time because they said I wasn't in the club. Um, so. I guess it's a private club, and I'm just, I, I'm still out. <laughs> but um, I did take my sign-up sheet and encourage all of you, if you're not, because I'm confused about who is and who is not now, if you're not in the, in the club, to join the club. There is a club. Now, are you just being nice to <laughs> So I, I am joining the club, and you've got an option of getting you know, six bottles of quarter or whole case, um, different discounts. So a um, great way to support program the students. So uh, that is really important. Thank you, Trustee Rios. And it's interesting to note about the, the scheduling because we know from the Mexican-American Vintners Association about, I think, scheduling for our viticulture classes have heard kind of a, a similar concern, especially for night classes. Correct. Just some other um, different schedules for those people who work, you know, Typically, very early, you know, seven o'clock in the morning to three, four o'clock, um, who are interested and 
members of the uh, Mexican American Vintners Association who, you know, some are winery owners, vineyard managers, vineyard owners that have employees who expressed interest and, and those organizations expressed interest in, in helping those employees, but not being able to sign up for the classes because of the schedule. Yeah. Um, which is something um, that I know is being looked at by, by the program. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, audit and finance, uh, nothing to report. Um, I know real property is a meeting on February 22nd next week. Um, I think we heard McPherson, uh, uh, distinguished award for administrators was sharing that news. It's, it's coming. Um, and, uh, assume the same for, um, Ed Shank award. Um, and, you know, from the college foundation, uh, let's see a couple of points, I think getting ready for, um, uh, sending out applications for our scholarships, uh, foundation grant scholarships, and then a big push about a, a capital campaign associated with the um, Wine Spectator, Spectator Education Center, um, Hospitality Center. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, there's some other other things to, to know about that, but there's a, those are the main uh, focal points. I think I missed on that, Dr. Powell. Okay, okay, here we go. Uh, let's see, future agenda item requests. Yes. Um, is my report isn't until the next agenda item, but I met with one of my constituents well, at American uh, Canyon. Uh, sorry. This uh, is a future agenda request. Okay, well, uh, Catherine, do we, have, do we have anything on, I'm sorry, I pointed you. Um, do we have uh, anything to, to show regarding what we have on our agenda item requests? No. I should have asked you about that before. There was the solar panels that was requested. A report on the solar panels was requested by Trustee Baldini. Trustee, Trustee Baker requested um, financial policies. How to build reserves. building the reserves. Yep. And then there's uh, still the land acknowledgement, which uh, I believe is still under construction. Right. Right. Hey, Trustee Kishinev. Excuse me, I didn't mean to speak out of turn. Um, I met with one of the community leaders in my area, American Canyon. Um, his name is Arvind Nishal. He said that he put he in the past hosted a laughing yoga class here at the college and also a color festival. He's descended, he's from India, a color festival, a holy color festival. Um, and I, I printed out a picture of what that looked like in American Canyon when I went a few years ago to his color festival. Um, so I wanted to ask to put that on the agenda for he wants to come here and, and put on a presentation to um, present that with us. I think that would be educational for our community. It would connect the community with the college more, uh, maybe be more welcoming, expose people to other cultures. And it's a fun a fun festival, and and I think that some people may be concerned that this powder is not going to be safe. But I can assure you that there are all kinds of little kids at these festivals, and I've never seen any problem. Maybe instead of maybe an agenda, I, I'm not uh, d dismissing that, but maybe just uh, coordinating some sort of discussion with maybe Dr. Mansami or or something like that about. Yeah, I think there's any opportunity we have to engage and connect better. Uh, with our community partners, specifically the DEI space, we want to take advantage. So perhaps we can talk after the meeting. I connect you with our senior dean in that, in that area. Okay, great. 
Any other uh, future agenda item requests? Okay. Uh, then we will go on to board reports. Um, so your student trustee uh, left us for um, of his physics class. Um, and uh, we will go to Trustee Olson. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to follow up a little bit and thank Dr. Powell for um, coming to our event on Saturday. It was our sixth annual Black History Month event. I've been involved um, since year two. And as Dr. Powell mentioned, it was standing room only. I think we had around 300 people there, really diverse crowd in ethnicity, race, and also age and gender and uh, activities for everyone. Um, and I just really um, respected your message that you give the community. We came up with a theme that um, you know, we want to educate and empower the next generation of Black leaders, um, Black resistance being through education. And I loved your message. Dr. Patel did a great job. Um, I will have a recording of the presentation I can share with everyone after the fact. Um, I would love to see this sort of uh, work continue in collaborating with the with the community and Napa Valley College around um, Black history. We're gonna we're starting to plan already a Juneteenth event and and do more year round activities. So I'd love to um, connect with the college and what they're doing, what the Emoji Club is doing specifically, um, in our event. So thank you again. Thank you, uh, Trustee Deluna. Um, so we had our uh, annual the annual conference for the CCLC that we went to in in January. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, it was a great experience for me being my first year on the board um, of the CCCT and um, having just a say in what is presented. So we had really great feedback. Um, uh, we had a lot of people stay throughout the legislative conference, which um, I'm hoping maybe some of us could do next year as well. And I know um, we had uh, Dr. Moon Sammy, I think, was there, but I'm not sure if anybody else was there. So it'd be great to hear from them about um, what they learned or what they think we need, we could focus on. Um, also, uh, we want, I just wanted to also plug the Mariachi Festival. If you don't have your tickets, please get your tickets and we'll see you there. And there's still sponsorship opportunities available. And um, yeah, I think that's all. Looking forward to our retreat on Saturday. Trustee Iverson. I don't have a report this evening, but I wanted to thank Bob Harris for all you've done in this position. So we'll mess you up here. Trustee Kishinev. Um, so the last meeting, we went to a, a trustee workshop in Sacramento where it was uh, learned a little bit and got to mingle with other trustees from around the state. And then I came home with a massive cold mm -hmm. that was that was actually it wasn't COVID, but it was worse than the COVID I had when I did have COVID. And my hearing still hasn't quite recovered in one ear. Um, but I am taking antibiotics, don't worry. Um, but since I've gotten better, uh, I have been trying to connect around my area with constituents, community leaders. I met with the previous holder of this seat, um, Beth Goff, and had a discussion. And now I'm even more glad that you guys are so great. Um, and Mr. Michelle, I wasn't quite, I went to the high school today, but I wasn't quite able to connect with the principal yet. And I think that that is my report. Thank you. Thank you, Trustee Kishinev. Trustee Rios. Well, I also attended the conference um, and 
uh, I mean, that's, that's great. And I've been now several years. <laughs> and while a lot of it is the same, there are always updates. It's always something, something new to learn. Uh, but I did appreciate something that else uh, was that it gave us an opportunity to, to connect outside of this very limited, you know, uh, space uh, where we usually see each other. So especially getting to talk to new trustees, um, I thought that was uh, that was great. And so getting to know each other a little better, um, I think it also helps us work better together. So that's all. Trustee Baker. Thank you. Yeah, I, I got to go to the conference for about five minutes, so not long, but uh, enjoyed it. The little bit that I did get to go to, I had to go to an employee appreciation event that same evening, so I did not get to hang out with you all afterwards, and it's very disappointed to miss that. And I'm also disappointed to find out that employee appreciation is always on that weekend, so I don't know what I'll do next year, so we'll figure that out. Um, just... Uh, wanted to, uh, to thank Mr. Vanderbilt for your comments about Florida. Um, I would say that school and public libraries are also watching carefully, not just Florida, but lots of places across the country. And I would say also uh, your compatriots in K-12 are also suffering um, the results of some of the actions that are happening. And um, I think it's nice to think that we're insulated here in California, but in the words of Mad-Eye Moody, constant vigilance is what we have to have. And um, so and in that vein, uh, I wanted to invite um, any of you who are available next Wednesday, if you'd like to come down to Benicia, uh, the Benicia Public Library is starting a new program that we've called, we're calling Vibe Check. So uh, Vibe standing for values, inclusion, belonging, and equity. And we are going to, uh, every every other month, tackle a different topic. And our first topic is education. And so next week we will be talking about what does what do we value in public education? What does it mean to belong in the classroom? What does it mean when we talk about equity in terms of public education? So hope that you can join us for that if you'd like to. It's at seven o'clock at the Benicia Public Library next Wednesday. Thank you, Trustee Baker. Um, maybe just one one comment, a little bit on the somber night. It's always good, I think, to reflect on when we've lost uh, people in the Nap Valley College community. And um, this one for me is is a little bit close to home. But one of my very good friends, he lost his mom, um, who is a teacher, a French and Spanish teacher here for. I don't know, a number of years, um, well over a decade, uh, um, uh, Anne-Marie McGill got, I don't know if you guys recognize that. She thinks she stopped teaching here uh, maybe seven, eight, nine years ago plus. Um, but uh, yeah, taught French and Spanish here. Um, it was really amazing. Uh, bright woman, really encouraging to me. You know, Growing up, I mean, came from a really tough background, but got a Fulbright scholarship, studied the Sorbonne, I mean, really just well accomplished, but totally dedicated her life to education. I mean, 50 years in combination of vintage high school here at the college and Dominican too. Um, so just wanted to, to recognize her. And um, 
uh, move on to um, announcement of, of, of future meetings is um, March 16th is our next regular meeting. I know we have our retreat um, uh, upcoming on this Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's it. We will adjourn at, um, I don't know what time it is. Excuse me. I'm going to actually. It's 6.52. Thank you, guys.